0: Thank you for joining me for this call, and you're in Minnesota, right? That's right,
1: in the great well, white part- north.
0: <laughs> and you're having some mild weather, which I know you appreciate uh, early October in your part of the country. Absolutely. I thought we'd start, David, um, by me asking you a little bit about your background, if that be okay, in terms of your upbringing. Um, sure. And so why don't you just tell us about your family of origin and where you grew up?
1: Well, I was born and raised in uh, Toronto, Canada, and uh, both of uh, my parents uh, were 100% Jewish, and uh, uh, my ancestors as well, and I uh, grew up uh, with the Jewish faith. We were uh, on the cusp of Reformed and Conservative, where we did celebrate the uh, traditions of, you know, Passover, uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. Uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of atonement where we would go to synagogue, and uh although we didn't go to synagogue on Sabbath, we did celebrate uh, Sabbath dinner every uh, Friday night for many, many years when I was a child of my grandparents so those uh those uh traditions are very ingrained in my mind and in my heart, and they were very very special times mm-hmm. uh, however, uh, we were definitely not a family that attended synagogue on a regular basis uh, or had any concept of who God was in a personal sense. But uh, I did have a, a firm foundation in terms of my Jewish heritage and the traditional, you know, feasts uh, that uh, we did celebrate that were part of our culture.
0: And in the Christian faith, we talk about, um, the Jewish scriptures as the the Old Testament, and then the uh, Matthew, the Revelation as, as the New Covenant. How, how did you um, hear more about the New Covenant? And as we say in more of a Hebrew way, Yeshua, the name of Jesus. How did you come to know the gospel?
1: Well, in my last year of college, I uh, was working a summer job. I was a carpet cleaner. Mm-hmm. Not the most glorious job in the world, but it, uh you know for a single guy with no no bills and no debts, it was a pretty fun job and uh There was a individual there who was a few years older than i I was at that time, and he and I were uh, partners uh, going into people 's homes and cleaning carpets uh he initiated a friendship and we started building a really good friendship and again he had not shared the gospel yet it was more friendship evangelism just building the trust building the credibility and in time he started sharing his faith and how he came to know uh, yeshua Uh, he was uh, very very gracious never did any type of bible thumping never um, forced the gospel but we would just have really great uh, conversations. And this lasted for about four months. Uh, once a week, he would come over to my apartment and we would read through the Gospel of John. Mm. And uh, at that time, John, in my last year of college, I was very disillusioned with secular psychology, which was my major, because nobody had the answers. They were all uh, hypotheses that we were learning from each of the uh, masters of psychology, the origins of uh, psychology here in the Western world, but yet it still left me very disillusioned, very confused. Uh, I was seeking truth, you know. I was seeking, I was seeking something that uh, explained my existence, my purpose in life, and uh, I was al- i always had that empty void in my heart. Mm. So going through the book of John and then having my friend Ross answer a lot of questions, I was very open. I was never defensive. I never debated with him. I was very, very open and uh, very teachable at that time. Uh, at the same time, I was also reading a lot of New Age books. I wasn't dabbling in it. And again, I saw the emptiness and the saw a lot of similarities in New Age philosophy uh, that I saw in psychology, just a lot of empty, empty philosophy that you couldn't really apply into your life. So, mm-hmm. I guess it was God that intervened at that time and gave me the discernment to know that that wasn't the answer to life either. Thank goodness.
0: Seems that the New well, Age is looking for spiritual answers, but uh, without really a light to show them what truth is.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and as I and as I read a lot of these books and and about enlightenment and everything and, and so forth and being at one in the universe and all that. To me, it was just, it was just another offshoot of Hinduism. You know, I, I had the discernment to see that at that time. I thought, no, that's not the answer. That's not doing anything for me. So as, as we spent the four months in the book of John, it was amazing. Cause I had, I had, I was, I was hungering and thirsting for more. It's like, wow, this is really making a lot of sense. It was very rational. But aside from it uh, being a cognitive or an intellectual experience for me, something started changing in my heart. And I thought, wow, there's just, it's like little glimpses of truth started to shine in my heart. I can't explain it because it was very intangible. but I I realized, like, well, I, I was just drawn. I could say that I was really drawn to know more and to read more. And then in uh, January of '84, we had our, you know, at that time we had already been four, four or five months together in the Word. I, I hit a real low in my life because I was going into my last semester, didn't want, to, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I, like I said, I was very disillusioned and actually very disappointed with all my three years spending time in secular psychology and coming out of it, not knowing anything more about life or truth or myself or reason for existence. And also my parents were going through a divorce at that time. I just had no direction. I was very uh yeah. just wandering, not knowing what I was going to do with my life. So I hit a real low. And uh, one Saturday morning, I was uh, leafing through the Yellow Pages looking for crisis center. Now, I was not suicidal, but I just needed somebody to talk to. And uh, as I was leafing through the Yellow Pages, the phone rang. And who was it? It was my friend Ross. Uh, over the Christmas holidays, we had not seen each other for a couple of weeks. So I ha- we had not kept in contact. And he said, Dave, I, this is going to sound very, very strange, but God told me to call you, and I think something's wrong. And mm-hmm. at that time, I just broke. I just started weeping and crying. And it was the first time I really wept in a long, long time. And just everything, just the weight of the world and everything really opened up. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, he came over that afternoon. And uh, spent eight hours with me, actually. We were just reading through scripture. We were praying and he just let me talk. It it was really 22 years of just pain and hurt and a lot of family issues and rejection. And uh, that evening at 11 o'clock at night, I said to him, I said, you know, after all these months being in the word and prayer, I said, this is exactly what I've been looking for all my life and I want to give my life to to the Lord. And we knelt down, and we prayed Romans 10, 9, and 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like yesterday. And I'll tell you, you know, um, many people share their testimony, and they say at the time they surrender their lives to Christ, there's like a weight lifted off their mind and their heart. That's exactly what I experienced. It was just flooded with so much peace, and it was just like, I had hope now. Um, i had hope so uh the very next day was the first time i ever stepped in a church in my whole life a nice jewish boy from toronto (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. stepping
1: into a church and uh, i was just embraced it was a small family church it was a very very small church meaning in a holiday inn actually
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um all all young families and I was just embraced and loved on. And many people were saying that they had been praying for my salvation ever since Ross and I met that summer. But
0: mm. so this
1: church had been praying for me for four or five months. They had been praying for me. So it was great. I was really embraced. And then the pastor discipled me. The, the pastor spent about five months uh, discipling me in his home. So I got very, very well grounded. And uh, mm. I know wonderful journey since then
0: hallelujah david we rejoice in in uh, the way ross reached out to you um the uh the believers there praying for you and then being discipled it's so rare to hear that someone comes to faith in in the lord and has the new birth and then actually has uh, that personal discipleship so what a what a great beginning and so uh there must have been a paradigm shift for you with your your Hebrew upbringing and then discovering uh um, the Jewishness of the new covenant and that you could be fully Jewish, but also know, know Yeshua as your Messiah. Well, you
1: know something, John, that didn't happen right away. In all in all honesty, that took many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll give you a little bit of a background. Uh, I learned a lot of wonderful things. And, and like I said, had a very, very good upbringing in that sense. But the way, we were brought up in our family as I mentioned earlier there was no mention of God there was no mention of um, having a relationship with God there was no mention of uh, Judaism being a spiritual journey in fact that was my experiences it was nothing spiritual at all it was more traditions and feasts and family Mm -hmm. time which is good Mm -hmm. that's a great thing but it really ended there so Part of the disillusionment that I had was I wasn't finding the answers and the truth in Judaism. Mm -hmm. Not the Old Testament teachings, because remember I didn't have much exposure to Old Testament, except stories. Mm -hmm. You know, just more or less stories around the feasts. So there was no spiritual foundation there from my Jewish upbringing whatsoever. It's not a criticism. Mm-hmm. Just that that was my experience. Uh, my spiritual journey towards uh, merging and finding the my Jewish roots in Messiah now, our Savior, really didn't happen until many, many, many years later when I moved to Minnesota. And I came in contact with a Messianic rabbi up here,
0: mm.
1: and who I got to be very, very good friends with. He's uh, uh, the seed of Abraham here in St. Louis Park. So I got to be very good friends with Ed Rothman, who was the Messianic rabbi there, and got connected with him, and he actually spent a whole summer discipling and mentoring me. Wonderful. That's when my journey really began, back in the uh, in the mid-90s. Uh, we became very good friends and um, was attending their congregation quite a bit and getting really involved there. Not, not full-time, we were still going to church, but went, went there on Saturday mornings. And he he really, really took me through the scriptures and that and um, got me access to the library here for some good, good books to read so I could get that foundation. That's really when my journey began. And that's when the fulfillment and all that and the wholeness and the completeness mm-hmm. of my identity in Yeshua really, really started. And it's, yeah, and it was a real journey through that. And it's been, hasn't stopped. You know, I'm still learning and growing that way so yeah there's there's a wholeness and completeness there
0: definitely what a great what a great testimony david uh could you tell us a bit about some of your ministry experiences over the years um you you did various uh trainings and and i believe you went over to europe on a mission trip could you kind of give us some highlights about your your ministry experiences
1: yeah well it it was really amazing because after i came to know the lord there in um you know beginning of 1984 the seed of missions was planted in my heart. <laughs> so I real, yeah, it was just really burning just to go and yeah, just share Christ and that and learn and did and a summer outreach out in Spain that very first year. Here I am a baby Christian. I'm, 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 I'm not even a toddler yet.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. um, I'm like five months old in the Lord and I'm over in Spain and Madrid and got involved in a mission over there just outside of Madrid got involved with the base there and did did uh didn't do the school at that time. That came later, but I did summer outreach there and it was great. Started to learn the language and um it was a really amazing experience. But that really fed the fed the desire to go into missions more. So I came back for about six, seven months, raised some support. And then I moved back there in in Sevilla, Spain. Mm. And that's where I did my uh did a discipleship training school a DTS. And did outreach all over Spain. It was amazing. Um, that's, mm-hmm. that's another story. But yeah, I had three months of outreach all over the country, actually. I'd really learned the language here because not too many people spoke English in the heart of Spain there in the South. So that was a great experience. there about a year or so. And then, uh, you know, met my wife in 88. Uh, we moved here to Minnesota. Well, we moved to uh, Texas in 89. And guess where I ended up back again? Youth with a Mission. Now it's my wife. Mm. And you'll excuse my accent, but we we went to Tyler, Texas. All right. East Texas at the YWAM base there. And Amory and I spent about a year there. So we did a, a crossroads ETS, which is for adults and couples. Did a lot of outreach over in Ciudad Juarez <clears throat> uh, before the cartels came in. And uh, did a lot of uh, construction there and so forth, food distribution, worked in the city dump for, which had about 100,000 people at that time in their dump mm. just on the other side of El Paso and did a lot of, uh, in the red light district, a lot of evangelism. So we really learned a lot of good evangelism and how to really share the gospel in pairs, you know, in the streets and that.
0: I've had a taste of the, the DTS when my wife and I went to uh, the Discipleship Training School in Tampa um, with friends of ours, uh, the Sanborns, who invited me to to do the Grace Fellowship, um, teaching for one of the weeks of the DTS is there and did that a couple of times. And boy, I learned as much from them as, as I guess they learned from us, uh, their, their missions, values, listening prayer, I meant to, to grow as disciples and fulfill the Great Commission. So, uh, praise the Lord that you had that opportunity in Spain and in, and in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. you've also had some other discipleship experiences with Bible study and leading Bible studies.
1: Yeah. So, I got involved in um, Bible Study Fellowship, (BSF) 20 years ago. Anne-Marie had already been going to a ladies' group for two years, and she would come, come home and share the notes with me. And what she learned is like, oh, man, this is really good. And this is what I was really looking for, something a little bit more deeper that would really challenge me in my faith. Mm-hmm. And was a participant for a few years, and then I was called into the children's ministry because I always uh, always knew I had a gift of teaching, and people were always telling me how I could had a gift of uh, sharing the gospel and, in a simple way. So I really I was involved with the children's program for about seven years, and I learned so much how to sh- how to how to do homiletics, how to prepare uh, lectures, how mm-hmm. to really uh, prepare a structured lesson for children.
0: Mm-hmm. And this would
1: be from first grade, uh, six years old, all the way up to senior uh, high school when they would graduate. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I, I learned and grew so much through that experience and working within with, the children's program. I had some mentors there that really you know taught me a lot. And then uh, later on, got called into administration. And by the way, that is not one of my spiritual gifts.
0: <laughs>
1: so that was a huge learning curve, and it was great. It was, I really enjoyed that. So that was for about four years. And learned a lot about admin and doing AV and recording, you know, lectures from the uh, teaching leader, doing database. You know, I, I managed the whole database for our, um, for, our, for, our, for, our, for our location and also the two satellite locations here as well in Minnesota. Before they became full fledged groups, so I really learned a lot, and I was really out of my comfort zone, which was good because I learned a lot and I grew and enjoyed that so for for it was a personal challenge for me in a lot of ways, where I could grow and mature and do things that I never did before
0: well, Dave, one of the things that 's coming across is being a lifelong learner in terms of our spiritual journey. Um, your discipleship by the pastor initially, your time with Ross, you know, leading you to salvation, uh, your time with youth with a mission, your time with Bible study fellowship. Uh, you and I met, um, when cross to life discipleship ministries in Minnesota, uh, sponsored some exchange life seminars I was privileged to present. And as you know, I'm a board member and ministry coach, uh, for them. So, uh, so neat to meet uh, you and your wife as you attended, um, there and we've been in touch over the years as friends. Um, let's talk a little bit now about what um, this ministry calls their um, their twelve week process. Sometimes we call it ID Ministry Intensive Discipleship or ID for Identity in Christ. Um, here you are with all all this uh, ministry experience and and Bible knowledge, and yet um, you are invited to uh, go through their twelve week personalization process. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about what that was like for you as you uh, accepted the invitation to go deeper with that lead discipler and an assistant discipler in your sessions? Sure. No, and thank you for asking.
1: Um, I had I had known about um, Cross to Life and the whole discipleship and um, uh, process, and was very aware of it from you, from the conversations we had, and then uh, with one one other gentleman who's involved in the ministry um but i uh I, I needed to wait for the right timing i i left bsf uh, after last year and i felt that no this is something that's really between god and myself and it's just the holy spirit was drawing me for i think john about a year right when you and i were in conversation it's about mm-hmm. a year but mm-hmm. that, that really started happening it's like no we got to go deeper and we all know the the analogy or the metaphor of the onion that god heals and layers. And there was a lot of healing. I've had a lot of pain and rejection and betrayal in my life. Mm-hmm. And although God has used various individuals and parachurch organizations and ministries and books and what have you to heal me, you know, it, it's just, it's a lifelong process. We're all, we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling, the sanctification. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I realized that in our conversations, John, and then with my wife and then with one under other uh, gentlemen that god really wanted to deal with the core of the onion now because the core had never been dealt with it was only the layers mm. and there were still a lot of manifestations of the pain and the hurt and the rejection that were still coming out in times of testing and trials and and uh the beginning of the summer i i, I signed up i had no idea what i was signing up or i thought i did but mm-hmm. god had a different agenda so uh, after the 12 weeks, I can honestly say that the journey was—it it was very surprising at times, and I'll get into that a little bit. But, but just to make this testimony a little bit more uh, concise, I, I came with it as an as a clean slate. I, I had an open mind and a teachable heart, and I really, really surrendered all of this to Lord, So God. Whatever you have to do, even if it's really painful, just do it. Well, he took me on my, <laughs> my mm-hmm. prayers seriously and literally. I think my, my eyes and my heart were really, really open to uh, Christ living in me. And although, John, I've attended, you know, with my wife and then on my own with other people, a lot of your seminars and, and the wheel and the line diagram and, and the whole thing. And have read, you know, Dr. Solomon's book books, a few of them it never really took root, mm. really never took root. And that's that's a good thing because God was just preparing the fallow ground in my heart, reading the books, going, you know, attending your seminars, John, when you were here in Minnesota, some of them through webinars and, and reading Dr. Solomon's books. There was just that fallow ground that was being prepared for this. Cause I think if I didn't have any experience with, you know, grace fellowship or, Any of these materials, I probably would not have had the same experience of freedom going Mm -hmm. through this. So, Mm -hmm. this was more of a preparing and equipping over the last few years. So, it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, part of the journey was this summer, God exposed a lot of the roots, the roots of the pain and the hurt and the rejection, the betrayal. And it helped me to understand, not just cognitively in my mind, but in my heart, why I was reacting rather than responding mm. to certain situations and circumstances. And truthfully, certain types of people with specific temperaments would set me off too sometimes. Mm-hmm. So through Cross to Life materials and through the patience and perseverance of the disciples mm-hmm. uh, and uh, prayer uh, from yourself, from my wife and others who were praying for me, Uh, I was able to get through it. And there were times where the Holy Spirit did intervene and upset the whole protocol of how (laughs) a Mm. session should be done and really broke through. And I had a couple of times where God just really, really broke me a lot. I mean, I just, it was so clear and so uh, apparent as to what the deep, deep root causes were of a lot of the pain and the hurt and and, and really the, the struggles that I had in my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. In the areas of trust and patience and waiting. Once I understood that in my mind, but more importantly, was delivered from certain lies about God, lies about myself, lies about others. When that deliverance Mm -hmm. came and that brokenness came. That was really the pivotal point of where I really, really sense changing. And again, this was done kind of in increments through the 12 weeks. It just wasn't in one one session.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just, uh, I was very diligent in going through all the materials and people who were discipling me kept feeding me more and more, <laughs> mm-hmm. more and more articles and things that they thought were relevant. And I'm, I love to read. So for me, it wasn't wasn't really a a monumental task. I just enjoyed reading and going through all the material on top of what what the Cross to Life agenda is. But God used it all to really give me uh, a spirit of understanding and uh, more of a depth of, uh, more depth in terms of who God really is and who Christ is living in me. It's not no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm -hmm. Once I really had that breakthrough and finally understood it in my heart, and started to appropriate it and walk it out. That's where the changes started to really take place. And I would say that would be about midstream, about week six or seven. I mean, it took me that long to really appropriate this because mm-hmm. a lot of the pain and the hurt had to be out of there first. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard for both of them to, you know, truth and that to coincide together. I really died. Really, I, I David Sherman died. The old man died, mm-hmm. and not that we're already dead and buried in christ when we give our lives to the lord and we surrender and all that i understand that but we still have part of that sinful fallen nature there that props itself up during times of when that pain and that hurt and that suffering um, is exposed that hasn't been he- healed mm-hmm. so so there was a death experience where i really said no i have to really really surrender and relinquish everything now and i hadn't and I hadn't. I realized in my life, in my heart, there were still things I was holding on to. Again, lies about myself, lies about others, lies about God. But the truth now set me free. Once I knew the truth and once I saw more who God is, as living and active and, and the word of God living and active and sharper than two-edged sword and really delving into scripture during these 12 weeks more
0: intensively mm-hmm. in a
1: concentrated way, that's where the change really started to happen. Because now it's going from head to heart.
0: It reminds us, David, of the prayer in Ephesians 1, 15 and following that God would illumine us. And it sounds like there was a combination of your diligent study, the friendship and prayers and facilitating of the leading co-discipler, um, your illumination about more of these profound truths about our union with Christ, but also more of an awareness about your unique version of the flesh and the pain and rejection, the the coping mechanisms. Uh, that you relied on. And then it sounds like during the 12 weeks, God kind of then showed you how those those two different illuminations kind of combined for the, you called it a death experience. I think Oswald Chambers in my utmost first highest calls it a white funeral where we mm-hmm. abandon mm-hmm. our confidence and even our good flesh and all of our capabilities and dedication for God and pivot on that and accept in a deeper way our co-death and co-resurrection with Christ. Um, what changes did you sense, David, as you had that deeper experience of, of God's illumination, that deeper commitment on your part to reckon true your union with Christ? What were some of the? You alluded to freedom. What were some of the changes that God started to bring into your heart?
1: Well, the changes were more apparent as I was going through um, real life situations. Once I would walk out of the office. From my sessions, that's really where the tests come because it's very, very easy to talk about them and share them, you know, with your two disciples, and it makes a lot of sense. And you can go through that uh, process of understanding. It's when you walk out those doors into the real world, when you get into your car, when there's traffic, when you're waiting in line in the store,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, or when you're going through times of testing that remind you of your past. And the tape recordings start going again. The lies—that's really where I saw the changes. Because it's like, oh man, here, here's something familiar. Now, how am I going to respond? So I think, in answering your question, John, the first thing I realize is that uh, during those times of testing or temptation to go back into the past, into my old habit patterns or my old thinking patterns, mm-hmm. I'm stopping now. I stop. And in my mind, thinking, no, this is, not, this is not who I am. This is not my identity. Mm. It's not self-talk. Definitely not self-talk. But in my mind, in my heart, it's like, no, this is not who I am anymore. This is, this is my old flesh. And these are the, uh, the fleshly patterns of, re- of reacting and believing the lies uh, that are now gone. I've renounced them. Mm. i've relinquished them i've surrendered them they're nailed to the cross that's happening more and more often now without me even being cognizant of it and it's like and now another change in answering your question the second thing is that when when i am in those situations now john my first knee-jerk reaction is to pray said lord this is not me anymore please help me please strengthen me please give me the um you know, give me the grace to get through this and not not get into that uh mental trap again or emotional trap
0: david so, it, reminds, it reminds me of the verse in second Corinthians ten about bringing every thought into captivity mm-hmm. to the of Christ in mm-hmm. Romans twelve one and two it sounds like the practical outworking of God renewing your mind you know through through his grace and through his word and yeah, one of the exercises that cross to like uses that we've talked about is the sheet trusting Jesus as my life means that moment to moment I'm free to choose. And remember it has the three columns. One column mm-hmm. is I give up the right to be, for example, accepted. I'm willing to feel. And then there's another column rejected, for example. The third yeah, column is I'm therefore trusting Christ as my fill in the blank okay. friend. And there's something about the practicality of those three columns that teaches us that the abiding life is a one day at a time relationship of yielding and trusting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's very true. And that, that I'll be honest with you. That was a very difficult exercise for me to go through. It was very, very challenging because I had just never thought my thinking was just never like that. Even as a believer, my thinking was never like that before. And I'm still working through that. That's, that's a whole paradigm shift for me. Mm -hmm. Because during those times of testing and 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 temptation to believe the wise or to go into the the former uh thought and behavioral patterns, I'm learning now to just stop and be quiet rather than reacting based on emotions so yeah, yeah that's that's something that's still becoming ingrained and I'm not there yet I haven't arrived because that that's that's a whole habit, a thinking habit that I have to develop more with that three columns. but it is getting deeper into my heart now where I am learning to respond uh, now and recognizing that I have a free choice I have a free will to choose okay am I am I going to respond now with the uh, biblical thinking the kingdom thinking in this situation or am I going to revert back to the old habit patterns in which really end in in misery and frustration and all the other things here. So Mm -hmm. um, you're right. So the -hmm. the thoughts are being taken captive now, but it's the Holy spirit now that I'm submitting to every day. See, that's the difference, John, I'm
0: Mm -hmm. submitting
1: everything to the Holy spirit now, rather than trying to do things in my own strength and my own understanding, like Proverbs three, five and six, I'm learning to not lean on my own understanding of how to deal with these things anymore. Temptations or trials. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I'm in the habit now. I'm in the daily habit now of just giving it all to the Lord, just nailing it to the cross. I said Lord, I can't deal with this. I need wisdom. I need discernment. I need mm-hmm. your strength. I like this is now becoming a daily prayer for me. And even in those times of temptation, mm-hmm. silently I'm praying that.
0: Amen, brother. You're alluding to the Holy Spirit's ministry and all this, and uh, Galatians calls it walking in the Spirit, which is a a step mm-hmm. process of not I. But Christ, if, if I could start to summarize, uh, our conversation, David, it, I recall the paradigm shift of your, your salvation experience, um, when you were about 22. Of course, that's going from death to life. Um, and then also you mentioned later in around, uh, the nineties when, when Rabbi Ed kind of discipled you and showed you the Jewish roots, you know, of our, our new covenant faith. That was, that was a new dimension. And then, this past summer, going through the intensive discipleship process, um, the Lord illumining you more about your union with Messiah and how he can live his life in you and through you one day at a time. As you continue to, to reach out with the gospel, um, David, as we start to, to wrap up, how is this new perspective um, enriching how, how you point people to uh, to Jesus as not only our Savior, Lord, but but our even our life? That is a
1: terrific question. Because I now see things very clearly and recognize why I was thinking and acting in those old habits, in those habitual patterns that I had been programmed over the years. And again, this was only in certain circumstances or with certain people or scenarios that were similar or parallel to the painful, hurtful ones that I experienced in my life. It wasn't in every situation. But now that I understand and I see things clearly that there is hope that we can cross over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, the land of Mm -hmm. promise,
0: Mm -hmm. there's
1: a reason why God calls it the promised land.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I am very, very cognizant of the promises of God, but but I now have hope knowing that they are being fulfilled and they will continue to be fulfilled and I'm not stuck in bondage. Mm -hmm. to those um, old patterns again so in answering your question without being too overzealous Mm -hmm. you know i want to be able to encourage other men in particular to to travel that journey to get on the road Mm -hmm. and to uh, leave their old thinking and behavioral uh, patterns according to the flesh behind them and move on into the promised land and and knowing that there's hope that we don't have to remain in that vicious cycle, Um, even through our Christian walk uh, that we don't have to remain there and we don't have to be stuck anymore. And I have no regrets of, you know, all the years that were wasted because we're all, we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. So, don't have regrets or blaming myself or condemning myself. It just was never the right time, and I and I learned too, and I encourage people that God heals in the layers. God heals in His time and delivers us. He doesn't do it all at once because we'd probably break.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I think I think I think this disi- intensive discipleship and knowing our true identity in Christ is really what sets us free, and it's not um, who or what people label us to be. It's not what society or the culture tells us we should be or who we how we should act. It's really what God thinks that's important and I want to be able to encourage other people to, you know, travel that journey for their for their deliverance, for their healing, and so that they can um, you know, duplicate and multiply that process with other people.
0: Amen, brother. It reminds me that this imagery of the promised land matches John ten ten, where the Lord says, I've come that you might have life. That's salvation, getting out of Egypt, but also life more abundantly, which is living out of our identity in Christ and trusting Christ to live yeah. through us. Um, and, and, right. And yeah. one
1: and one more thing one more thing, John, in answering your question, is that now I realize that, you know, because God is infinite and seeking his face and getting to know him more, it's infinite. It never, ever, ever ends. So, you know, there is hope. You know, that our, our our faith and our walk with Christ and our understanding and revelation from his word never ever ends. We don't hit an end point here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting because we're, we're always striving to know more and know more God and then there's more healing, more deliverance, more yeah. freedom as we continue that journey. So that's something that has changed in my in in
0: me as well. The Lord is faithful to conform us more and more into the moral likeness of our blessed savior. And as you mentioned about working out our salvation from the, uh, the influences of, of the world, the flesh and the devil, the verse also mentions that it's God who works in you both yeah. and will work for, for his good pleasure. And I think that's an evidence of what he's been doing, you know, in your life. So I pray God's blessing on you, brother David, as you disciple, as you share uh, the gospel of salvation and the gospel of abundant living. If I read my calendar correctly, today is actually in the Hebrew calendar Yom Kippur isn't it that's
1: right, day of atonement, but it is very, very significant for me, especially uh, this time where God has you know done a remarkable work in my life, so it it does have more special significance this year
0: well, especially with your uh, Jewish roots um yourself and then also knowing the new covenant, the book of Hebrews chapter ten would be a great chapter for our listeners to reread if they haven't to show that jesus is the one who said on the cross it is finished and mm-hmm. thank God for his finished work and our total pardon when we trust him as our savior and our lord so uh brother um blessed yom kippur to you we celebrate the uh, atonement that god accomplished through the lord jesus and uh, thank you for sharing some of your testimony today
1: well, thank you very much for this honor and privilege, John. It really means a lot to me, and I just uh, pray shalom, peace upon you and your family and uh, ministry that you're um, spreading across
0: across the world. Well, thank you, brother. Shalom to you and, and uh, Anne-Marie and your family and the ministry opportunities that God gives you in Minnesota and beyond.